0: Hey everyone, good morning, welcome to Resurrection City Church, if you're just visiting with us today. My name is Joel, I'm one of the pastors here, and I just want to offer you a special welcome, and thank you for uh, for being here this morning, um, and also just, if you... Uh, Ever miss a sermon? Just want to throw this out there. And we got actually, I got a whole community group uh, that's gone this weekend um, out at a at a lake cabin together, which is pretty cool. Um, And so, if you're like them, you ever miss a Sunday morning? Just so you know, we have all of our sermons on. On uh, You can listen to them on iTunes or Spotify or we have them on YouTube if you are, are a visual person and like to watch instead. So feel free to to take advantage of that if you are not caught up with where we're at. Which actually is a good segue into our, uh, our sermon today. Um, we are going to be uh, in our second week of a sermon series on the Lord's Prayer. Um, we have kind of thought... Like, what would be a great way to start the year off? Last week, or last few weeks before this, we kind of talked about the church and why we meet on Sunday mornings, what the whole point of all this is, and then now we're going to talk about the Lord's Prayer, and which is great because it's also a chance for us to talk about prayer more generally. Um, prayer is something that's, that's on our minds this year. We want to be a church that, play, that prays just relentlessly. It's our first resort, not our last resort, as a church and as a people. We're going to God in prayer. And um, one reason I think that we can feel hindered from prayer sometimes is because we don't know how to pray, we don't know what to pray. Um, and the, the great thing about the Lord's Prayer is that is given to us to help us to know how to pray to God. It's, it, both, both in praying it specifically, uh, in, you know, word for word, which we do here once a month at Res City, and I, I would encourage you to do it on your own, pray through it word for word, but also as like a template, also for like a, like a model for the things that I should be uh, thinking about as I go into every single prayer. Use the Lord's Prayer as sort of like a chance for you to, uh, to kind of uh, build up your, your vision, and for what prayer should be. And so we want to walk through the Lord's Prayer sort of petition by petition to help us understand uh, that specific prayer but then also prayer more generally in a deeper way as we really just encourage um us to be a praying people as we move into 2020 let's make 2020 a year of prayer for us as res city um, so that's kind of our hope and and that's kind of why we're, we're walking through this sermon series so anyway um last week just a little bit of a recap we talked about the first part of the, the lord's prayer uh, our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name and we talked about uh that the tension that's inherent in that part of the prayer on the one hand, you have um, our Father, which which denotes approachability and familiarity, right? The sort of closeness that you feel with a parent is what we're supposed to feel with God. But then, right after that, we get this hallowed, make his name holy, he dwells in heaven, he is completely other than us, he's beyond our categories and our ability to understand. Okay, so at the same time, you have God as Father and God as hallowed one, and it creates this sort of tension, but I think the tension is something we should really find ourselves, leaning into because, like, they need each other, right? If someone is a, a father, um, you know, we, we, can, we can come to understand our father. We can feel like we can be on the same level as him, right? So it's good that we, we see our father as hallowed. But if we also just see him as, as great and mighty and beyond us, right? Then we, we don't really understand how is he using that power? What, what's his goal um, in, in, in being transcendent and beyond us until we see him as father? So these two things need each other and it's and it's an it's, it's a intentional thing that they're brought together uh, in this sort of uh, tension in the Lord's prayer at the very beginning. So that's that's where we started at and we talked about how this sets our hearts right as we move into the rest of the prayer to pray everything else that we have uh, that, that Jesus gives us when he gives us this prayer. and So we're going to start to move into the prayer into the actual like petitions the stuff that Jesus is calling us to ask for okay so let's just get into it what Jesus says that we should we should start praying once we've identified God as father but also hallowed is we should pray for your kingdom to come God your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven Okay? Now let's let's pause right here cuz I think this is a, a you know maybe you've you've read this prayer before or you just have thought about prayer more generally and and this creates like a bit of a question for you perhaps. And the the question you might ask is Do my prayers actually move God? Like, like if God has a will, an agenda that He's working out in the world, what do my prayers do for that? Um, You know, why would we pray if God's unchanging? Why? You know, what if my prayer is wrong? Right? Is that a is that a bad thing that I should be considering? And should I just be letting God do what He wants to? Um, What if I don't know my own intentions? Right? What if I question those in some way? Um, Is it fair for me to be praying again if God is just going to do stuff on His own? What What's the point? Kind of. There's a real mystery to this. Um, It's a couple. Of, of passages, um, you know that that that, that really build into this one is in James four thirteen to 15 I'll just read it real quick for you um, James is, is talking to the the, the church that he's writing to and he says now listen you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city we'll spend a year there we'll carry on business and make money why you don't even know what will happen tomorrow what is your life you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes instead you want to say if it is the Lord's will we will live and do this or that so James is saying listen you think you control so much stuff, but you actually don't control anything at all. So you should be talking more about if, if God wills this thing, then it'll happen. It's a pretty big view of God's will and his ability to work in the world, right? Okay, now, but contrast that with a passage like Exodus 32. I'm not gonna read it, but basically it's, it's kind of a strange story where, where God is like, he's really upset with Israel and he's like, I'm just gonna start over. I'm gonna scrap this Israel project and start over with a new group of people. And Moses kind of begs him not to do it and God changes his mind. It actually, the, the, the Hebrew word there says that God like repented, which is a, which is a crazy word to, to think about right there, right? of God changing his mind and Moses' prayer, moving God in such a major way. So we kind of have this like, this, this tension here that is a bit tough to reconcile and it can make praying kind of hard right now I, I want to talk about and I think that the great part about this part of the prayer is actually I think we find a bit of a, of a reconciliation of those two things and, and the answer is that God I think wants to work through our prayers God, God desires like a, a, a harmony of wills to be working out and that's his preferred way to operate his will in the world It's through people who are, are sold out who who have a same vision for his will his kingdom to be working out in the world for him to work through their prayers as they turn to him and ask God to do his will he wants to 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 operate that through him through the through the um through the power of his love working out in the world now actually you know this is and I don't have time to go through this and and you're probably okay because it could add a whole hour to the sermon um but God like just he always is acting almost always if you read through the bible read the read the stories god is almost always not not in every situation but almost always he's working his will out through people who are faithful and love him um, and, and that's, through, that's so, so tied into the story of the Bible. Even in Genesis 1, we find out that God creates humans and, and, and desires for them to kind of be his co-rulers with him on earth. That, like, that's the lofty uh, perch that we as humans have is to kind of rule with God, like a working together to tend and care for his creation. Um, and an example of, of this working out through prayer, I think, even unintentionally, it, we can just even go back to Daniel. We, we spent the fall in the book of Daniel. We're talking about Israel in exile. And if you remember in Daniel chapter 9, Daniel, um, he, you know, he's praying to God and he's asking Lord, what is going on here? We are stuck in exile. I kind of thought we would be out of exile by now. Um, what's going on here? You know, will, will you please end exile? And God does show up, and, or actually an angel shows up on behalf of God and speaks to Daniel. And basically, summing uh, summarizing several chapters of Daniel, he says, exile is a problem that only a Messiah can solve. Okay, so, I, you know, I hear your prayers and, and, and like you have a good desire to end exile. But then we get to a, a passage like in Galatians 4 where, just, where Paul kind of has this, this casual line where he says, when the set time had fully come, God acted to send the Messiah. That's a, a paraphrase of that. So, okay, so let's look back at those two things. On the one hand, we have Daniel's prayers, which, which seem to have come to fruition, right? And God sending the Messiah and ending the exile. But then we get to Galatians 4, and we find that it had been God's, God's plan all along. So who's, whose will prevailed? Who, which, who's responsible for that? Was it Daniel's prayer? Was it God's will himself? And I think, like, when you can't really tell the difference, I think that's a good thing. I actually think that that's, like, not a bad thing at all right? I think, think of it like tangled wires, right? You can't really tell, you can tell that there's, you know, there's more than one wire in this tangle, and you, you know, you can see that one of them plugs in here and one of them plugs in there, but you can't really tell which wire is which when you're looking at the tangle. I think it's good when our wills get tangled up with God's in that way, to where, you know, you know that there's two separate wills within it, but you can't really tell which is which in that moment, and, and you just are praying that back to God. I think that that's a good thing, and I think that's what the Lord's prayer um, starts to, to show us, like that, that's God's desire. It's for our prayers to be tangled up with His so much that when we pray, we are, you know, we are praying stuff we truly desire. We're actually asking God for stuff, but it's the same stuff that God wants to do on earth. And so when God does act, we can truly say it's through our prayers, but also of His own volition as well. And I think that's, again, some of the genius of the Lord's prayer. So let's let's get into it actually. Let's kind of talk about how that plays out and what it is, what is God's will and what is it God that that Jesus is telling us that God wants us to to pray to Him and ask for. All right, we'll start with the first part of the passage here. Your kingdom come. Let's just start there. Now the word kingdom. Um, is is the Greek word basilia, which which is normally translated um, like reign or rule, but actually one New Testament scholar I was reading recently said, you can also think of it as just like activity, kind of the stuff that he's doing in the world. And and God's, you know, the activity that God does, when we read through the Bible, what is it that God does? He is about flourishing, he's about worship, peace, reconciliation, forgiveness. That's the stuff that God does in the world. That's his activity in the world, is marked out by that stuff. So when we're praying for God's kingdom, we're praying for God to do that stuff in the world. Now there's a bit of a story here as well that Jesus is, is referring to. It, it's kind of this, the, you know, I, I'm truncating a large part of the story of the Old Testament here. But Psalm 2 actually, uh, which we, we kind of prayed through this morning um, in our call to worship, kind of you know, picks up that story a little bit, kind of puts it into a little bit of an encapsulation, and the story goes like this: So there is a wise king. He 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 reigns over this creation lovingly, wisely, and he has uh, these you know these these subjects who serve him, but who he is he is so kind to. And then some rebels show up, and they take over the kingdom, um, including the capital city and all the countryside. And so this wise and loving rule of this kingdom is is kind of. Traded for uh, this corrupt, malicious rule of these of these usurpers, and so what the king does is he sends his son in a sort of like insurgency campaign to take back the kingdom, and and, and the, the the son um, succeeds in, in doing it by actually by giving his own life to win back control of the kingdom back for the king. But now there's this sort of like uh, stamping out of pockets of the rebels who still exists, right? As the kingdom, you know, is actualized, you know, across the countryside, even though it's still true in the sense that the kingdom has been won back. The capital city, the, the, the kingdom itself, you know, belongs to the true king, but, but there still is this sort of like bringing the rest of the kingdom back into line with that. And that's kind of what we're talking about here. Jesus wins um, back the kingdom through the cross but there is still this sense in which the kingdom has not fully come. And so we're still, we're yearning to see the 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 outlaying of the victory, you know, come to the rest of the kingdom, which we live in. The rest of this kingdom here is, is earth. And so... Um, so that through the gospel being preached, through God's people being faithful and, and working um, in the world, God, God is, is slowly reestablishing the world back under his complete rule and reign. Okay, And so for us to truly pray this part of the prayer we have to start with this strong sense that God's activity in the world is not enough yet here. That's just something that's assumed when we pray this. We have to have our hearts understanding that and seeing that if we can truly pray this prayer in the way that Jesus, I think, desires us to. Okay? And if we open our eyes, right, if we are willing to focus on this, we can see this pretty plainly. That wherever God's love isn't, wherever there's injustice, racism, sexism, greed, envy, wherever you know, selfishness reigns, wherever uh, there, there's moralism instead of grace, wherever there's apathy or, or disinterest towards sin and evil in the world, like, wherever God's glory is not shining in some sense, like the kingdom has not fully come. Now, when you think about it, that described, like, that's the norm, right? You, 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 when, you, when you hear that, I imagine you, you, you're yourself thinking boy, then that must mean, like, God's kingdom sure needs to still come in, in many places on our earth, okay? And, and, and in order for there to be any hope in the world, this, Jesus is saying God's kingdom, God's activity needs to fill the earth. A new flood needs to come, but it's not a flood of water, it's a flood of God's kingdom sweeping over the earth, Okay? And that's what we have to have a strong sense of when we pray this prayer. We have to see the, see the, the world in the same lens that God himself has and have our will you know, tangled up with his, that, that his kingdom has not come yet enough in order to truly understand this prayer. Okay, so when you pray the Lord's Prayer, um, maybe here's something to tag on to it to say, Father, give me the eyes to see the absence of your kingdom and to give me a vision for what could happen if it did come, okay? Give me a unique lens to see the world through, through your eyes that, that sees that the kingdom itself is, is still held back in a sense, that there are still pockets of these rebel usurpers who, who are, are still trashing your kingdom. Help me to see that so that when I pray, I can pray for specific areas in which your kingdom would come on earth, Okay? All right, so that's the, first, that's the first part of the prayer. Let's get to the next part. And in some sense, when, when Jesus says, your will be done, he, he's kind of, he's narrowing the last point a little bit. He, but we're getting specific into what you know, we can maybe think of as God's like, kingdom agenda. The specific ways in which his kingdom is coming to earth. Now, when we talk about uh, God's will... There's two ways that we can talk about it here. Now, the first one is what what I might call God's secret will. And I think a lot of us think of this, you know, mainly. When we think about this prayer here, we probably mean this. Um, and this is sort of like, you know, going back to James, right, Where where, where James is like, hey, if you're like, you know, you think I'm going to go to this city and I'm going to do some business in that city and I'm going to make a bunch of money when I do it. It's going to be awesome. I have it all planned out. Here's the schedule. You should actually first, just assume like none of this is going to happen without God's will working out to do it, okay? So so that, you know, kind of says, well, God has some plan, some way he's working that we don't know, right? It's a secret will about what's actually going to happen. He seems to be in charge of that in some way, and so we you should pay attention to that. That we could call God's secret will. And a lot of us, when we go to prayer, we're, you know, a lot of times we're asking for something about this, right? Lord, tell me what job I should take. What, what, you know, or should I, should I quit this job and take a new one? Should I buy this house or that house? Should I, you know, date this person or get married to that person? Um, you know, just major life things. We're, we're we're usually thinking, we're praying, we're asking God to uh, to give us wisdom to tell us what to do, right? You should totally pray for that. Okay, I I, I am telling you to continue to pray for that stuff on a daily basis, but. The, here's the thing that we, you know, you might not want to hear, is that it's not like the norm for God to give, you, to tell you exactly what's going to happen, right? James, Notice James doesn't say, um, just pray and ask God, you know, exactly what will happen tomorrow so you can feel, like, comfortable and know exactly what to do and everything will be a huge success and you'll make tons of money, right? That's not what James says there. He just says, assume God is going to, you know, work out his will and you don't really know what's going to go on, so you're going to have to just trust him, okay? That's how, you know, that's how like, we're supposed to think of God's secret will. Not that God won't reveal stuff to you, and there are examples in the Bible, I think, of this happening, but that's not the norm. It's, it's, a, it's a pretty major exception, actually. And I think that that's okay. We, we can sit in the, the tension of not knowing because when we do that, we just have to trust God. We have to, just, to trust what he's doing is in our best interest and that he's in control of the situation. And that's okay. That's a good thing for us because that changes us in a sense. It causes our who we are to change in the process. And this gets us to the second type of God's will that I think um, Jesus is talking about here in the prayer. And this is what we, you might call God's moral will. This is sort of like, how does God want me to live? Who does God want me to be in the midst of, you know, uncertainty, in the midst of going through my normal life that I don't know how things are going to turn out? What character should I take on? What virtues should I desire? What is good, right? Not just what's comfortable or easy, but what's What's the good thing to do here? Even if it's actually really uncomfortable or really hard, what is the good thing that God is calling me to do in this situation? Okay? That's God's moral will and that is what God, I think, is more concerned with us living out is obedience and faithfulness to who he wants us to be because when we live in that way, we are manifesting God's kingdom and doing his will on earth but it's just not in a sense that maybe you're used to thinking. Now, when we think of God's moral will your temptation might be to think of it as like just a bunch of rules so I got to figure out all the rules in the Bible and just try to follow those I don't think that's the right way to think about it okay there are commands in the Bible but but typically I think a better way to think about what God is calling us to do when he calls us to live out his moral will is more like playing music um we're, you know, we're given this music by Jesus. We're given a symphony to play. And we each play different instruments in it. Or maybe we play similar instruments, but we kind of have our, each have our unique role in the, the symphony of the music of, of the kingdom of God that has come to earth. And we're, we're, we're called to play this because God wants to fill the earth with the sweet music of the gospel. And he writes the music for us, he gives it to us, and then we get to go out and we get to play it to the best of our ability. Um, we might, like I said, we might play different instruments, but we're playing the same song, right? And we're harmonizing that together. And we can play it with, with varying degrees of fervor. Um, we can mess up sometimes, right? But that, that's okay. We're, we're, we're trying to figure out how to play this music well, right? We're still just trying to get, get ourselves in tune with the, with the sheet music that we've been given. And the other thing about this is you can totally fake playing too. I, so I was in high, in high school, I played the trumpet. And I wasn't like a bad trumpet player. I really enjoyed it. But I will totally admit, there was some, Parts of songs that I, like, didn't want to try and play because they were really hard. And so I would just finger it. I would just push the valves in. I knew what valves to press in, but I couldn't hit the notes. So I wasn't actually playing, but I was, you know, like, puckering my face up so I looked like I was playing, and everyone around me thought I was playing, but they didn't know I actually wasn't, wasn't playing anything, right? So you can totally fake playing this, right? And no one around you will know you're not, but the call is to, to, to seek to play it out, even if it's tough sometimes, but you'll grow as a trumpet player. I, like, if I actually cared about playing the trumpet, I could have gotten better, and I could have, like, actually hit those notes a lot easier than I wanted to, but I just had no desire to do it, and I'm telling you, don't Play the music of the gospel in this way. Okay, don't don't fall into the trap of faking it and just kind of you know th- you know as long as people around me think I'm playing it, that's what matters. Because really, like the goal is to become a good player of this music, to grow in your ability to play this music, so you can play the sweet music of the gospel. People can hear it. People can be transformed by hearing it. And so when we when you are you know living out God's will, the goal is to become you know, to grow right in your character and who you are in your in your sort of kingdom virtue. And that's, that's what it looks like to pray this. So an application here, when we pray this part of the Lord's Prayer, think, you know, again, tag this onto your prayer. Father, help me to follow your moral will. Whatever or whatever your moral will is in the situation, whatever you're call, who you're calling me to be, how you're calling me to live in the situation, help me to follow that in whatever your secret will reveals itself to be. I'm not going to have any idea what that is, but there are good and bad ways to respond to that, and I want to respond in the right way, in the faithful and obedient way, even though I don't know what's coming. Because that's more important to God, I think, than just, you know, like living successfully, or like, you know, you know pressing all the right buttons to make yourself live comfortably because that's you know if we're honest that's what we're looking for when we want to know when we want God to tell us just tell me what to do in this situation I have a hard decision just tell me what to do what we want is comfort right what we want is ease in that situation and God is not always calling us to that because a better thing for us is faithfulness and obedience and growth in who we are that's more important to God than us having comfort in knowing everything that's going to happen Okay, so, let's, uh, let's, let's kind of move to this last part of the prayer. Now, we, we talked a lot about, like, God's will and how we're supposed to respond to it and pray it here. And this last part of the prayer, on earth as it is in heaven, could sound like a descriptor, right? Like, it could sound like a tag on at the end that's not not as important, you know, like a nice wrap-up. But really, I think, it's the design of the whole thing, right? It's the goal of the first two parts um, of this, of this prayer here. And we find this, in, you know, there's lots of places I could go here, but let's go back to Ephesians 1. So we did Ephesians about a year ago. I mean, almost a year ago from today, actually, we would have been in this passage. Okay, so if you if you remember that that time in Ephesians from a while back, then, then hopefully this is a good reminder of this. But Paul is writing and he says, uh, with all wisdom and understanding, God, he, God, made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Okay, so we see that word God's will again, right? We, we, we see that God's will is to, you know, is, is to what? And we find out at the very end of the passage that his goal is to bring heaven and earth Back together in unity in Jesus. Okay, to no longer keep heaven and earth separate, right? Heaven is the place where God's will is done, right? Where there is no rebellion against it, there is no no one who's against his agenda, right? That's what that's what heaven is. And earth is a place where there's just, you know, tons of resistance to it. Even in even in his people who are following him, who love him, who've been changed by the gospel, there still is some resistance. And God's desires for that, for that. That, that resistance which separates these two planes of reality to bring them back together again. And that's our, that's our ultimate hope is Christ will return and he will unite the two back together like two long lost siblings separated at birth, bringing them back together in relationship with one another where, where God's will and his reign are p- peacefully manifest in the world and, and there, is this, there is this peace that comes in the world because of it, no longer any rejection of it. That's what Paul's saying here, God's will is, in Ephesians 1. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds to me a lot like what we're seeing in the Lord's Prayer, right? Uh, Like, like... The, these tangled wires uh, right what God's will is coming to earth and he wants that to be done in the lives of his people is almost like a foretaste like a like an advanced project of what Jesus is going to do when he brings unity of heaven and earth back together when he returns again to, to reign as king over everything fully when there are no more pockets of rebels left in his kingdom but it's just it's just everyone you know living you know in peace in, in God's kingdom as it's come back to earth that's the goal of the Lord's prayer and that's the goal of what's ta- what Paul. Paul is talking about here. Now, us praying this vision back to God matters because it to, to return back to that question we talked about at the beginning, that's us praying God's will. Because remember, God desires to work through humans to accomplish his will. That's kind of his desire. It's been that way from the beginning and he still wants to see that happen now. But I don't want us to get too like high a view of our prayers either to think like if I don't pray in this situation you know it's all up to me to pray to God to bring this to to bear on earth because um we're not actually doing anything when we, when we pray back back to God. We are tapping into a power of something much greater. If you want, like, the, the proof that God desires to bring his kingdom to earth through a sort of melding of, of human and divine, like, you have one place that you have to look for that, and it's Jesus himself, right? Jesus is fully human, and he's fully God at the same time, right? The perfect bringing together of these two spheres of reality in one person himself who accomplishes God's will through his faithfulness, through his obedience to God's plan, and through to, even to death on a cross. And, and so we see God's desire to bring heaven and earth together through a faith, faithful humans, and it's through the faithful human, Jesus Christ, that that's accomplished. So when we pray, we are tapping into that. We are asking the power of the, of the of the God-man, Jesus Christ, to empower us to bring his kingdom through our prayers into wherever we see God's kingdom not there enough, okay? And so this is the way that we truly pray this part of the Lord's prayer is to see God's will happening through his Son who has brought heaven and earth back together in himself and is now bringing to the rest of creation. Heaven and earth is, is bridging the gap, and we're praying for that as well. So that's that's what we are praying when we pray this part of the Lord's Prayer. And again, I, I encourage you to to have this as your like your main desire in prayer. Using this as sort of a model or a template when you pray for anything else. To have this as your big picture, your vision, your 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 goal is for God's will to come uh, on earth as it is in heaven. And so when we're when we're praying this. Uh, just to kind of wrap up here, here's an application. Pray in this way Help me to desire he- heaven and earth to overlap more today than I did yesterday until you decide that there will no longer be a divide. That is our prayer. And let- let's close it there as we-, we head into a time of worship. Um, we are going to worship God, right? We are going to build up our vision of who God is through worshiping, through song, so that we can we can see that glory and desire it more and more to fill our space, not just on Sunday mornings, not just when we sing it, but as we go out from here. We're going to enter into a time of communion where we're, we're remembering the sacrifice of the God man, the one who gave up his life in order to bridge the gap between heaven and earth so that those two things can be brought back together in perfect unity as they're supposed to be um, as we take communion and Even if you're just visiting this Sunday morning, we we, we totally ask that you take part in communion with us. We just ask that you are a follower of Jesus um, as you do that. There's also going to be some prayer in the back, so if you would like prayer for anything at all, whatever it is, whatever you're you're asking for God's will to be, um, and whatever you believe God's will to be through your prayers, someone will be available to pray with you in the very back, so you can take part in that, um, and then also, too, if you would like to just give uh, this Sunday morning, if you feel like God's, you know, God's will for me right now is to, is to give, be faithful with my money in obedience, we actually have a box in the back that you can give um, to as well, so let's, I'm going to invite the worship team up, I'm going to pray, and then and we're going to enter into that time of, of worship and communion and prayer and giving. Lord, we, we thank you that you were not content to allow your world to be marked by disobedience and rebellion, that you want to bring your kingdom to earth because you know it's in our best interest. You love us enough uh, to do that. And and. And we get to be a part of that through our prayers and our working in and of itself. But we thank you that it's not just us, Lord, because we would fail miserably in that. We thank you that it is through the power of your Son who bridges uh, heaven and earth in, in Himself that heaven and earth can now be brought back together and we can live in the glory of your kingdom. Help us to to desire that more and more. Help us to want to grow more and more as it is your will and give us a vision for what it will look like someday fully that we can give a foretaste for now when heaven and earth come back together. We pray all this in the name of your son Jesus who is our king and our savior, amen.